Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. Today, I had a chance to sit down with Rob Swiderski, owner of Craft Beer Market, which is a beer-focused restaurant group that has locations across Canada. Now, aside from being a very successful business person, Rob is a workout freak who has an amazing ability to balance life, health, family, and business. My goal is to learn a few of his secrets on how he has been able to maintain his life balance while still in a growth mode with his restaurants. I hope you enjoy. All right. Thanks for joining us. I'm here with Mr. Rob from Craft Beer Market. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Very concise answer to the question. So I'm looking at your title on the website and it says that you're a certified Cicerone and a recognized beer judge. We need to update that because it's a certified beer judge now. Certified beer judge. Yeah, certified. Uh I had enough judging points to actually move up a level. That's awesome. So to become a certified Cicerone, to me, that just seems like that's a long process. Is that fair to say? It's as long as you want it to be. You have to be prepared for the test, the exam that you do for the uh, certified Cicerone designation. But it's fun. You're, you're studying beer. You're studying beer, man. So it's a, it's, it's a good time. But yeah, I, I took basically, I think it was probably about eight months that I was studying for the exam. And when I say studying, there's a lot of theory involved. But then there's also a lot of beer tasting, which is a, a big part of the exam. So, so I, I kind of fight this all the time. There, like beer is, you know, I understand the concept of you need to take beer seriously, especially with, you know, what you do with craft beer market. What's the balance between taking beer seriously and just enjoying beer? That's funny because it's, I, I don't think it should be taken seriously. It's, it's, it's beer. But if you're passionate about it and you want to know more about it and you become an expert in the field of beer, uh, you do. You have to know a lot about beer. So take the job seriously, but I don't, what I do, the, the, the progress, the, the process of getting to uh, be a beer expert should be fun. I agree. But I mean, when people come in, so just talking about craft beer market then. So again, looking at your website, um, and I knew this, I just wanted to double check this. So you have seven locations across Canada now. Currently we have seven, yep. So in order for people to come into you know craft and have a good time, on the back end, you do have to take it seriously because you know they're they're there to make sure that their beers are pouring well and all that sort of stuff. So integrity around the product is a big big point for us. So we clean our draft lines on a two week basis. So we we gas our lines properly. Yeah, the the integrity of the liquid should always be top top shelf. So and the experience around that. So the people that are are serving the beer have to be qualified as well to create that experience. So. You're not just going to walk in, read a menu, pick a beer. We challenge our team members to actually make recommendations, bring out samples. So if you're ever in one of our restaurants, you're going to walk in and the process should be, you know, put down the menu. What do you typically have at home in your fridge? Well, here, I'll give you a couple examples like that for you to try. And then I'll do something that's going to push your palate a bit. It's going to take you to another level, something that you might not have ordered uh, unless you walked into one of our restaurants. I have a few questions about craft beer market, but before I get to that, anytime I see you, you know, anyone that walks by us this morning at the coffee shop is a good example. They'll come and say hi to you. Um, and then I'll ask, you know, how do you know that person? And typically it's, you know, I met him in the industry, you know, whatever, 10, 15 years ago. You've been in this industry a long time. Hey, um, hey, hey, yeah, relatively speaking. <laughs> so how did that kind of journey go? 
and how did it kind of lead you to craft? Because, you know, the industry as it was, say, 20 years ago was a lot different than what it is today. I've heard that. (laughs) (laughs) You 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 need to look at pictures to remember back then or what? You know what? It was totally a different time. I got involved in the restaurant bar industry while I was going to university. It's kind of a side hustle to earn enough to cover the, the short on my student loans. So I got involved. I loved it. You know, I mean, in any business where you get to chat with people and make sure they're having a great time is, is a great business to be in. So I really loved it. And uh, I stayed in the business. I, I tried to get out of the business like many people do. And I realized that my passion was in the business. So PJ, my partner approached me and said, Hey, do you want to do something together? And I, I was like, yeah, I, I miss this. So PJ is a guy I have to have on because I want to talk to him about his life as a DJ back in the day. PJ has had a very colorful life and he's he holds his cards close, <laughs> but he, he knows a lot about everything. Yeah, he's a smart guy. He is. So you kind of alluded to it with the craft locations. There's seven currently. And then the way you said that implied that there's more on the way. So what is kind of the vision for craft beer market in the future? I think right now we've discussed as a leadership team that we've we've expanded so quickly over the last seven years that we needed to slow that down. We needed to start developing our people and reinvest into the restaurants that we already have. So meanwhile, we're sitting in a meeting, an ops meeting, deciding this and strategically planning what the next steps are going to be. And we're like, okay, 2019, let's develop people. Let's not expand. And PJ walked out of the room. So we're like, he took a call, walked out of the room. And then he came back and he goes, I know we're discussing no expansion, but I think we have to move on a location. <laughs> so, you know, it, uh, the, the processes of opening a restaurant, you know, you're not, you, you just don't get a location, then it's open next, next week, right? It's, there's, it's you know, nine, nine to 12 months to open the restaurant properly. So we still want to develop the people. It's, it's so important when you're, when you're building uh, a company like this to have the proper people in place because you can't be at every location all the time. So finding the good people and developing the people and mentoring the people that we have currently in our business to take those senior level positions. Uh, so we're, we are going to expand. Our, our goal is to open one restaurant a year, but this year is definitely going to be, hey, let's focus on the restaurants we have, develop people. Well, you must do a good job because you convince guys to move from Calgary where they have lived. And then, you know, like Andrew, you know, somehow you convinced him to, to head to Toronto. So, uh, you know, obviously the culture is pretty, pretty awesome in that way. We do have a solid culture. It could always be better. Yeah. We're always looking to improve on that culture. Andrew is just a, a great guy that is very passionate about a craft. And he, you know, when the, when the opportunity presented himself to go into uh, a senior level position, he went for it. So it's, um, I love people like that, that, you know, start off as a bartender or a server, work their way through the ranks. They know everything about the, they know more, more about the business probably than I do right now. And super passionate. You can't teach passion. Yeah. So to have those types of people on your team, we were very fortunate to have a guy like Andrew come through the company. So as you guys expand, you travel a lot more than you used to. So I see you on like CTV and all that stuff across, you know, in Toronto and stuff like that. So with that, because I know you have a family and stuff like that. So what do you like? I guess, what do you like most about the ability to travel now and, uh, and you know, visit the stores across Canada? 
You know what? I don't travel as much as guys like PJ and Scott. Like those guys, they're always out there. Lim, we've got a lot of great people. And like I said, in the director level positions with the company or ownership and and they, they're traveling. I get to fun travel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when, when I'm going to travel to Toronto, it's, you know, the Maryland Dennis show is, is, is super fun. It's fun stuff for me. I get to do stuff like that. But I also have to go check out beer festivals and new brewery openings. Oh, and yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> so yeah, f- for me traveling, you know, my wife, God love her because I, I get to get up and get out of the house and I get to go drink beer and do tours and hang out with really fun people. And she's at home with the three boys. Yeah. So it's like a little holiday in my work. But all that is super important because we love building relationships with the partners that we have with all the breweries, with all our food providers. To us, it's super important. I don't want to work with people that I don't like. Yeah. No one does. So we have to go meet those people. If their core values don't align with ours, we probably won't be doing business with those people. Now, this is kind of a personal question, but also for craft. With social media, do you guys have a, a favorite platform that you use? Like, do you use all this, all the different platforms for social media? We do. So it's the the three main types: yeah. you know, the the Instagrams, the Facebooks, and then Twitter, which is kind of you know, I, I don't know, it's a little bit of noise. You know, Twitter's no, not a lot of people are on Twitter anymore. I think Instagram and Facebook are definitely the the ones that are leading the the chart. Obviously, when we started you know, in business and stuff like that, social media didn't exist, right? So it's kind of like learning. Thank goodness. Yeah, and I know. And now there's so many different channels. So what would you say is the most positive thing that's come out of social media from a business perspective? The ability to tell stories. You know, what? Um, social media for me is such a cop-out. It's such a cop-out. People send out like a little post and they think, hey, this is going to pack our establishment because we've sent this out. So now I've done my due diligence I've posted something on social media. My job is done. Well, it's not. We need to get back to the the old school of, hey, that's a part of it. Yeah, let's send out a social media post. But then let's pick up the phone, give someone a call. Let's go out and meet people either in their establishments and our establishments. You know, the, this whole social media thing allows people to sit at home and feel like they're connecting with the world where, you know, we built restaurants for people to come out and connect. Yeah. Put down your phone have a conversation with someone across the table and, 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 you know, build on a relationship that way. No. And I agree. Let's meet for a beer. That's what I always say. Yeah, meet for a beer, meet for a coffee, go for lunch, do, yep. do something, get out of the house. And like I said, and when you're out there, flip your phone over, turn it off and engage with that person. Yeah. So now I said it was both business and personal. So someone was telling me the other day that you're doing a burpee challenge online. Is that right? Yeah, I had I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Blaine Penny from Mito Canada. Um, his son Evan, he has a mitochondrial disease, and it, and it dug really deep with me. You have children. When I see kids that are sick and stuff like that, it it strikes a chord with me. So I thought, hey, there's something that we can do here to raise awareness. And I, I have a pretty decent following, but you know, I, I how do I share this story with people? So you know. You, you've seen the push-up challenge. You've seen the ALS bucket challenge in November, right? All these things that people are doing to raise awareness for things that are important to them. I thought, okay, burpee. So mitochondria is basically the battery or the powerhouse of the cell provides energy to the body. Evan's body doesn't produce enough energy. So I thought, what takes a lot of energy? Burpees. Everyone hates burpees. <laughs> yes. Everyone hates it. It's, it's so hard to do. So 
let's start with 13 burpees a week. There's 13 uh, proteins that are associated with the mitochondrial disease. So I thought 13, 13 is a very big, significant number for me. So it resonated with me. We're going to raise it by one burpee every week for 22 weeks. Um, I'm in a wimp to warrior challenge right now. And it lasts 22 weeks. And, um, I wanted to uh, do something that would impact. And, and we're starting to get people, we call them mito warriors. So you're going to be part of Evan's army. Um, uh, just buzzwords that are positive, that are getting the word out there, and that are just engaging people to do something. Create that's, some energy. That's great. Bill, so my business partner, convinced me to do a run with the, the mito team a few oh, yeah. years ago. So we were all connected. Yeah, that Guinness book. That was with Graham Sherman from Toolshed too. So yeah. And, that and that's is, who introduced me. Uh, just a gem. Graham's yeah, a gem. He is. He's got a lot of energy, that guy. That Bill though. That Bill. I'm not too sketchy. sure about him. Sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he won't listen to this. So it's all good. <laughs> he never does. One thing I wanted to touch on is I've, I've entitled it Rob the Prankster. So just to kind of give a little bit of a backstory, a couple of years ago, you and me were in Edmonton and you asked the bartender for a shot of grenadine. I don't know if you remember this. So, cause you had seen a little chip in the glass that you were being served your beer in. And so when the server came by, you kind of slipped the grenadine in your mouth. And then as she asked how everything was, you pretended that you were bleeding from the mouth uh. and she freaked out. She thought you were dying and you were laughing. Um, and then, uh, so and then in the same experience, you're, you told the same server as you're walking back from the washroom or whatever, here, here, look at my credit card, because when I'm going to do this thing where everybody's going to put their credit card in the, in the middle and whoever's credit card gets picked is, it has to pay for everything. Credit card roulette. Yeah. And so she, I, you said, look at my credit card and don't choose this one. <laughs> And then, so then anyway, so my credit card got chosen and then like what, two months later, you told me. I that? told you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had so. a little, little, little bit of a guilty conscience in, the, in that. Uh, a little that, bit. But, yeah. I guess what I want to know is just knowing that, knowing that you have a history of doing, you know, goofy things like that. Do you have a favorite prank that you've ever done on anybody? You know what? I, I, I love keeping things light. And if you can't laugh or in, enjoy enjoy something, uh, and this is going to come back to bite me in the ass. I oh, know yeah, it will. Oh, yeah, big time. I, know oh, I still get to walk out on a tab at Crafts just based on that. Yeah, you know what? Uh, PJ's tab. <laughs> on PJ's tab. Yeah. Um, a favorite prank? I'll have, to, I'll have to think about that. But I've, 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 I do it to my kids all the time. I play pranks on them. I play pranks on people at work. I love it. It's just, a, it's, it's fun. It's a... Keeps things light. I'd like to think it's harmless. It's harmless. It is. We're not hurting anyone. Having a fun time. So, and you know, I don't know how you do it. You have the ability to do it, but you know, eventually, after the server was done crying, she was laughing, and she didn't pick your credit card. What she should have done (laughs) is picked your credit card to get back to you. She should have somehow. You you know what she should have done is notice that there was a chip in that glass. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's right. That was the that. See, you were trying. It was a teachable moment. It was. Um, So, a couple of questions. I struggle with this myself because you know, being in the beer industry, getting to you know meet people, uh, drink beer. You need to be able to balance your life, right? Um, If you're just out eating and drinking every day, life can go sideways pretty quickly. I would say you have a pretty good reputation for maintaining that balance. Do you have, I guess, a philosophy that you live by in terms of like how how you do that, how you maintain that? You know what? Not not so much a philosophy. I just 
you know, life is short. It, work hard, enjoy your family, be present. 80-20. For me, it's an 80-20 rule. I eat healthy. I exercise 80% of the time. That other 20% of the time, I'm going to crush a large pizza by myself. I'm going to drink a ton of beers. I'm going to get loose one night. You know I mean? It's, uh, it's all about balance. And, you know, for me, like for me, the balance is 80, 20. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, uh, I see guys working super, super hard, but then their family's at home and, and, and they're sacrificing that time. And I understand, like, believe me, like I, I understand that you have to sacrifice some things to get to a certain level. There's some things that I'm not willing to sacrifice. Yeah. I've got three young boys, impressionable boys at home. I got a wife that works hard with those three boys. She gets tired. I got to tap her out, right? I got to, I got to tag, tag her out, tag her out, not not tap her out. And I got to take over and I got to be present with those boys and I have to have a father in their life. I can't be traveling all the time. Yeah. I got to be home. And it's great. So I, I get I get that balance with my partners. They they allow that. We all have families, so uh, we identify that. And PJ and Scott sacrifice a lot. I'm very fortunate to have them uh, as partners in the business. Um, but I will not sacrifice that family time. Right. No. And I mean, it's a cliche, but wow, it's like you look at them and it's like, holy, how did you get to be that old that quickly? You know. So they grow up. So just. If someone's in the in the industry and they're they're struggling, right? Like they haven't been able to maintain that balance. Um, do you have something like what what would be a simple thing someone could do? So I'm I'm looking at it from a fitness perspective and from a diet perspective. Is there one thing that a guy could do just every day to just kind of like you know just kind of keep on track to some degree from a fitness perspective? Here's the deal: stop making excuses. The, the excuses are where it's going to kill you. Everyone has a reason why they can't. If I if, if Joe Rogan says it best. He goes, I don't feel awesome every day. So if I only worked out on the days that I felt awesome, I'd be a fat bastard. Yeah. He doesn't use the word bastard. <laughs> but So stop making excuses for yourself. Find that time, whether it's uh, it's setting your alarm clock early. I'm up at 4.18 every day. Really? 4.18 every day. I hit the gym. I go to the mixed martial arts class. And then I'm in the office early. I like being there early because I get stuff done when there's nobody there. By nine o'clock, people are rolling into the office. Then I get to do my meetings, meet with those people. And then I'm gone usually by five o'clock, right? So unless there's some type of event that I have to be at. And then I go home, play with the kids, put them to bed. And I go to bed early. I'll read before I go to bed. And then I so develop a nice routine for yourself. Um, if you don't think you're a morning person, try it out because I didn't think I was a morning person but I get stuff done. Yeah. And I recognized that I wasn't getting stuff done after I put the kids to bed. I was too tired to do anything. So I was just surfing social media, right? So you allow yourself time for that stuff. Don't let it rule your life. Create a little schedule that works for you and quit making excuses. What I love about morning is you get it to yourself. Yeah. Nobody's up. So whatever you want to do, it's your own time. You get to, you know, you want to whatever it is, go work out. You want to read a book, like no one's bugging you. So by the time nine o'clock rolls around and you're talking with people, you've already got your day done almost. Yeah. And you can kind of do that. What about from a diet perspective? Any one thing that a guy could, you know, maybe don't do the double cheeseburger, but beyond that. Do that, man. You can do that, but just know that, Hey, I ate a double cheeseburger. I better be doing extra cardio. Right. It's, it's that balance thing too. Eat clean 80% of the time and then eat a cheeseburger. Like don't, don't kill yourself. People call it cheat days. I call it me day. Yeah. I'm not cheating on anything. 
I'm yeah. just, I'm just saying, Rob, you did a great job this week. Hey, good job, buddy. Yeah, go have a cheeseburger. Go do, do whatever you want. Um, and don't close your mind off to stuff like uh, meditation, like yeah. uh, meditation, yoga, like all these weird things that I said, yeah, you know what? Hippie, go hug a tree 10 yeah. years ago. I'm doing that stuff now, man. And it works. Yeah, I changed up. I talked about this the other day in one of my posts is that I don't listen to music anymore when I'm at the gym. I listen to motivational speeches. You go on YouTube, you type in motivational speech. There's a compilation that plays over and over in your head. That's my meditation for me. I'm in my own head. I've got my headset on. I'm doing my workout. And there's something that's going to resonate with me over and over. I listen to it over and over. And if I'm not even listening, I'm still getting something from it. Do you use an app to meditate? There are things I, I can get into my own head. Yeah. And like I said, if I'm there at night, it's typically I will be listen to the motivational speeches or positive affirmations or like one of those apps that you said, I'll be stretching on the ground doing some type of yoga and I'm just in my own head. Yeah. There's a lot of clarity uh, when you're in your own head. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned books. Do you have a favorite book? Do you have a book that you're reading right now? We we try to as a business. Uh, do I, I really like that uh, Shoe Dog, the uh, Nike story. Oh, okay. was a really, really good book. For me, I... To, to be honest with you, I don't like reading. Yeah. I'd rather listen. Yeah. So if oh, I can listen to a... are awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if, if I can... Audio books. Yeah. Audio books or, or, or speeches or podcasts. That's my jam. I hear it over and over from the most successful people in the world. Read a book a day, but that's not my jam. I'd rather listen to the book. Yeah. I'd rather listen to the podcast, something like that. So if you're doing something like that, I think it's just... Just as valuable. Yeah, um, I like the I like the audiobooks because when you're driving somewhere, you can listen to it. Awesome. And this is just my excuse for doing the audiobook over reading, but they emphasize what they want emphasized, hmm. and so and you can go back and you can listen to it again. And you know, so if I'm traveling, I don't travel nearly as much as you, but even just driving out to Banff, you know, or whatever the case is, by the time you get home, you can have listened to an audiobook. And so, and that would have been filled with just random music or what yeah. have you, right? So just senseless stuff that you could have been listening to, but you've done something for yourself where you've invested in your own self, right? By listening to that. And yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of good stuff. I've known you since you started craft. Um, I knew PJ slightly before that because, uh, you know, he was involved in a couple of restaurants that, that do our festivals. But you guys have always been really supportive of us um, and really supportive of the industry. So really appreciate that. Even just, you know, coming on to my podcast uh, as I'm, you know, getting it going and what you guys are doing, you know, for the craft beer industry across Canada is awesome. So thank you, um, you know, personally for what you've done for us and then for the industry as well. Heavy burdens are lightened when many hands lift. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Who would have thought, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago that uh, we'd get to hang out and uh, enjoy craft beer on a daily basis, but it's, Life is good. It's fun. It is We're fun. We're doing what we love. Yeah. You know, you get to meet a ton of great people. You get to try a ton of great beers. It's just that you're learning on a regular basis. That's that's the thing for me. If I'm not learning on a continual basis, I get bored and I, I don't want to do it. But this is just something new all the time. Yeah. So, and you guys, the stuff that you guys put on and the experiences that you provide for people is pulling people into that industry. And it's fun. It's fun watching someone have an awesome time at one of your events. It's fun to see people, like you were saying with social media, don't get, you know, social media is an important part of everything that we do, but it's not 
social. It's not interactive. Like you need to be interactive. You need to, to get out and meet people and hang out with people. And that's where ideas come from. And and that's where I think energy comes from and excitement and stuff like that. So I could go to one of your events and just people watch for eight hours straight. It's just the, the the dynamics of the amount of people, the the people that are coming to your events. It's like uh, you got an 80 year old dude or someone celebrating their 90th birthday and you got some 18 year old kid that's dressed up and and they all feel welcome in the same room. Like that's always our goal is, you know, yeah. like like make a room where everybody can walk in and, and feel that they belong, right? Like that's and I think just the the craft beer industry in general has has done such a good job of that is, you know, you see someone who's just getting into the craft beer industry and you see them a year later and you know the industry has embraced them and then they're bringing up the next person who's kind of like, you know, new to it and stuff like that. And it's a very inclusive industry. It's, it's, it's for me, the most fun I've ever had in my life. Yeah. It's, it's a non-pretentious platform for education. And when you get that education in an approachable environment, you start bringing other people in because you feel smart. Yeah. I learned something. I want to teach this person, yeah. right? Each one, teach one. And then you start bringing in a lot more people. It's, it's fun. You guys have done a really, really good job. You know, with you being a certified Cicero, and I think that's like, that's the balance that I always find is how do you learn so that you can educate people? And, you know, um, with the brewmaster seminars, for example, you want to teach people, you want to know so that you can explain, you know, this is a porter, this is a, you know, a logger nail, whatever, but you want to do it in a way that's, that makes it fun so that they're not scared to ask questions and mm-hmm. that they kind of get more involved. And And it's such a balance because I've seen other industries where, you know, if you don't know, you kind of get looked down on, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and I think that you've done a really good job of just making sure that it's like, well, of course you don't know. You're new to this. How could you possibly know? Mm-hmm. Just, you know, come here, enjoy some beer with us and, you know, and feel comfortable. And it's, it's an awesome environment to, to see people do that and to see that it's stayed that way for, for quite a long time now. Yeah. My, my main objective is not to, you know, if, if you want to learn about temperatures and mash uh, pH, Uh, pH and temperature and all that stuff like that. Go go join a homebrew course, but you want to hear the stories behind what's made these people, the trials and tribulations that these breweries have gone through the, the, the thought process of why they came up with this beer style, right? Like all all that stuff is way more fun. Learning learning about the people behind the industry. hundred percent. Awesome. Thanks again for taking the time. Thanks a lot, Marky. Take care. Hi, everybody. My name is Mark Kondrat. I'm the host of the Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. Each week, I have a conversation with community builders and entrepreneurs who have inspired me personally. For more information on this podcast, please visit letsmeetforabeer.com. And for information on other projects I'm working on, please visit albertabeerfestivals.com. Thanks again for your support. Remember to tune in next week for another Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. Let's meet for a beer podcast.